There's an expression that comes to mind on this 29th Sunday of ordinary time, that is, don't poke the bear, meaning we shouldn't antagonize somebody or a group of people, most especially someone who is more powerful. My mom used to say that about my dad when he was tired or grouchy after a long day at work. Don't poke the bear. It's good advice, actually. But Jesus didn't follow it at the, co at the cost of his life, and he did it for love of us. In our gospel today, the Pharisees are on the attack after Jesus poked the bear just one too many times, challenging them over and over for their hypocrisy. You know, we've heard it the last four weekends of uh, uh, gospel parables. Jesus is pointing to the Pharisees and challenged them over and over. Last week, the Pharisees were depicted as invited guests who refused to come to a wedding thrown by a king for his son, too busy and otherwise preoccupied. Two weeks ago, they were the vineyard tenants who refused to pay rent to a landowner, going as far as killing the servants and the landowner's son. Of course, we know that to be Jesus and the, 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 the landowner to be God. Three weeks ago, they were portrayed as the son who said to the father, I will go to the vineyard to work, but doesn't go. And four weeks ago, they represented, they represented by the day workers who grumbled beyond or because the vineyard owner gave all the workers the same pay regardless of what time they began to work. And all of these, again, were pointed toward the Pharisees. Jesus was hitting hard at hypocrisy and was choking out inauthentic faith. He called them out for being rude, violent, lazy, jealous, and Pharisees were ready to hit back because they'd had enough. The flattery at the beginning of our gospel today towards Jesus was quite insincere. For example, the Herodians called Jesus teacher. Interestingly, anytime Jesus is mentioned as a teacher in Matthew's gospel, it's a trap from the Pharisees. They also say that he is truthful and obedient, all to stroke his ego as, as if compliments motivated the God of the universe. To maximize the damage they hope to level against Jesus, the Pharisees and the Herodians confront him in public as a mass crowd has gathered around him. And that crowd was watching as they tried to snare Jesus with his own words. Incidentally, this wasn't the first Pharisaic trap. In John's Gospel, the woman caught in adultery was used as a pawn to entrap him. It didn't work then either, but this time would be different. Adamant, this would come to an end. The Pharisees form an unlikely alliance with a very odd group called the Herodians. Normally these two groups were in complete opposition to one another. They hated one another. The Pharisees resented Roman taxes that were paid to a foreign king, believing that God was their only king. Meanwhile, the Herodians were supporters of Herod the Great, the king of Galilee, who received his power from the Romans. Mostly supported the tax as a quid quo quo relationship that they had developed with the Romans. Sounds kind of like Washington, D.C. politics to me, anyway. 
Only Jesus could unify the scribes and the Herodians and overcome their differences, if only for a few moments. For both groups were united in their hatred for Jesus of Nazareth that led them to come up with this momentous question, should we pay the tax or not? It's a brilliant strategic trick question, if you ask me, for if Jesus said that it was unlawful to pay the tax, then immediately he will be labeled as an insurgent revolutionary and will be reported to the Romans and most likely be put to death. On the other hand, if Jesus said that it was lawful to pay taxes, then he would discredit himself amongst his gathered Jews, for Jesus would be, acknowledged, would be acknowledging a greater king than the God of the universe. But as brilliant as it all seemed, their triumph was short-lived. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and give to God what is God's. It doesn't say what that's about. It's a very vague answer. And for that, the denarius, he points to it and asks whose picture is on the coin. The denarius was a coin that was stamped with the image of the emperor. In a time without technology, this different or this practice was an efficient way to remind the people who indeed was king. Also, these coins were considered to be the king's property, whose image was stamped upon it. In a game of chess, Jesus' response was a checkmate move. He answers the question and foils their ambush by calling attention to the face on the coin. His response doesn't attempt to reconcile the two obligations. I mean, what was the point? One was to Caesar, one was to God. It was a waste of time because of, their, of his insincere audience. Jesus' response encompasses his frustration, though, of what we've heard over the last four weeks. That is... You who I've challenged in my parables. You who grumble with jealousy and covetousness. You who say yes to a father, but don't follow through. You who did not give a yield to the landowner. You who snubbed the wedding invitation to celebrate with the father and the son. All of you are fraudulent citizens of the kingdom of God. His point is, stop thinking and obsessing about finite things. Rather, be concerned with the things of heaven and of God, which are far more important than things of the earth. And frustrated and embarrassed in front of the little people, this unlikely alliance ends in embarrassment as they slink away. But there would be another time and circumstance to entrap the Nazarene. You know, we're a few weeks from a national election, and of course, this week, the selection of a new Supreme Court judge was thrown in for good measure. All eyes have been on Washington, D.C. Kind of distracts us sometimes from our faith. But more than ever, we are called to fulfill our duties as American citizens and as Catholics in the coming weeks. There is a sense of debt and duty that we owe our country for the things that we receive from it protection in our streets and internationally, fire protection, clean roads, or clean water and roads and education and transportation and infrastructure and so on, all of those things. And we pay with money. 
the accumulation of which we think at times determines our worth. But most of all, as Jesus teaches us this weekend, we have a dual citizenship. We are also and primarily citizens of the kingdom of God. And the question that is asked of Jesus today and subsequently to us is still a trick question. For our true worth isn't about money or things. It comes from the fact that the likeness of God is not on a coin, but it is inscribed in our hearts. And as St. Paul says, we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus' response to the Herodians and the Pharisees was dismissive of their categories. It's a trick question because nothing we have belongs to Caesar. Everything we have belongs to God. And in the end, our lives are really about the stewardship of the resources that God has given us to build his kingdom. It isn't acceptable to only give a small part of ourselves to God on Sunday morning in return. God demands a far greater yield from our lives. Every time we segregate God away from the bulk of our lives, we are not making the return that he expects of us. Sometimes we divide our recreation. Sometimes it might be work. Sometimes it might be our political beliefs. Sometimes it's our moral stances that we separate from God or our ideologies. Well, God wants to filter all of our thoughts, words, and actions through him. So God sent his son to poke the bear. The part, hard part about this is sometimes we're the, the bear that needs to be poked and reminded of our status as citizens of the kingdom. For, we, for as we manage all of our stuff, and if we hoard our time and talent for ourselves, we will hear in the coming weeks as we approach the end of the year and begin the Advent season a sense of urgency about our priorities. For as the church reminds us in sacred scripture, the kingdom of God is at hand.